you can tap into the global markets at this point. If it's tokenized, you can now have, you know, have have flow from across across the world, which would boost the value and appreciation of your underlying asset. All of a sudden that got things interesting. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Pascal Saint-Jean. How are you, Pascal? Pretty good. Glad, glad to be here. Thanks for coming on, man. And hey, I want to confirm, I know you're LinkedIn. So are you in Ottawa this morning? I am buried in snow right now. Oh, okay. We are plus eight and forecasting snow and minus oh, wow. 30 in Calgary. So we're in that weird. I don't know how else you know the Calgary weather cycle, but we I, get Chinooks here and it literally <laughs> goes plus 10. And then in a day, it'll be minus 30. It's a, it's a kind of a roller coaster, but no complaints. I do enjoy the plus 10 minus the. Uh, I didn't realize <laughs> Ottawa gets as much snow as it does. I had a good buddy yes, who moved uh, there. Ottawa, Montreal, and you guys get dumped you, on, man. Yeah. You do. You, do, you don't see. I got a tree in front of my house. Yeah. You see half of it by the end of the winter. So, yeah. <laughs> Plus 40 in the summer and in 40 centimeters of snow in the winter. You guys get both extremes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I grew up in Montreal and uh, yeah, the damp and the wet in the winter is a different thing than, than, than here out west for sure. Um, hey, let's let's dive right in. Okay, we did the mandatory two-minute uh, Canadian weather chat or certainly <laughs> seems to be in my world. You are president at 3IQ Corp. And I'm, I'm, I've been on your website and I'm reading right off your uh, LinkedIn profile. But let's jump in the kind of pitch elevator. Tell us what 3IQ is all about, the role you guys play in the world, and we'll pick it up from there. Yeah, so we're a digital asset manager. What does that mean? That means we focus exclusively on digital assets, primarily Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, for those of you who may not know 3IQ, uh, our history and maybe what's going on in the space is we were the first to actually uh, work with the regulators and actually challenge the regulators in Canada to bring regulated crypto to the markets. Um, we could talk about the history, what that meant back in the mid to mid 2010s, et cetera, and all the stories that have happened. But our founder, Fred Pye, has always been pro-regulation. He's been an innovator in the financial industry for you know decades. And uh and so basically, the desire was always to bring regulated crypto to the space. And so we were the first to actually bring a full spot Bitcoin and ETF uh, uh, to, to the market and Ethereum as well. Uh, so both our both our closing funds and our and our ETFs. So we could talk about the differences of what that means. But our our our, our mission statement has always been the same: is to do what's right for investors and to bring secure you know products and bring you know, investors of both retail and institutions into crypto in a safe efficient and secure way and to bring the best quality products to market and so we do that through our etfs and now we do that through some new institutional products as well as we continue our global expansion and and as you can imagine right now with everything that's in the news our uh, our business model of being regulated and trying to do what's right for <laughs> investors is really paying off. So we told you, we told you it was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine going back and obviously you've been in the company for the last couple of years. Back in yeah. 2012, was it was it? Can I be so bold to say that it was an unpopular idea to even talk about regulating in this world I, that was a bit of the wild west and still is? Absolutely, and and, and for me, my my history in being in disruptive innovation, so. Uh, I really started my career in high tech. I'm, a, I'm an engineering background, but really uh, been in business my whole career and and scaled my own and and scaled other people's businesses. And so, you know, starting in the web in the early uh, late '90s, early 2000s, uh, then moving into open source, mo- moving into distributed systems, and then and then into into digital assets. You know, th- when you're really really early, the conversations are always the same. Your early yeah. adopters are about disruption and innovation and trying to make change, and and that's good. You need those. Who really have conviction, um, and at some point, you know, we need to understand that to hit the mass market to make sure that the benefits, you know, uh, of of any technology, whether it was the web, whether it was open source, or now digital assets, for them to really fulfill their full potential, at some point, we need to blend 
the the new thinking with some of the old guards and find ways to compromise. And that usually comes with regulation, whether it was the web. I don't know if people remember, but in the early 2000s, regulation was a huge topic on the internet. Do we regulate the web? What can we put on the web? What can be transferred? Who controls it? Who owns it? Same questions as today yeah, yeah. was being discussed around data in the, in the early 2000s. Then open source was the same. This whole idea of bringing free open code to the world, right? All of a sudden blew people's minds with saying, <laughs> well, what, what what's the business model? Why am I giving away IP? Because the old model was build it, own it, control the IP, make money off of it. But then all of a sudden, if you look at today, the compound and innovation that open source uh, brought and the finding new ways to make money has, has transformed the world as well. So we're seeing that same maturity level and you can see the stages in digital assets. And, and, and we believe that this is that, that final stage of maturity. It doesn't mean there won't be other changes in the future, but this is that stage of maturity that we saw in other industries happening in front of our eyes right now. I appreciate that the cycle does repeat itself and you can go back and look at so many similarities. You use the word and really prevalently digital assets. You're not saying crypto. You're not like, there's so many ways that this gets called. Just even yeah. talk about, and I heard you speak, um, wartime finance was the presentation I got to, I was emceeing the Canadian blockchain consortium and you were speaking. Yeah. I really loved you talked about the next opportunity and where you guys saw the reality of digital assets kind of taking its place in the world or finding its place in the world or finding its way. To me, talk a little bit about that and why that's such an important kind of mandate for you guys, but also just your own philosophy on just digital assets as an asset class. And then obviously, like you said, mass adoption and accessibility. Yeah. So so for us, when we talk about w- why we, we prefer using digital assets versus crypto is that mm-hmm. people, for, first of all, people say it's cryptocurrency. What's the difference between the different currencies? And they're not all <laughs> currencies. Right. And that's why that, that, you know, so it started off with Bitcoin, of course, and then others. And yes, uh, Ethereum is a potential is a currency on its network, right? And yeah. after a while, you know, when something gets adopted, people may start using it to transact and barter amongst themselves. You know, maybe maybe you want to be paid in Ethereum or in Bitcoin. All of a sudden, that is a currency or, or a means of of, of, of right. exchange, right? But the reality is, if we look at the broader scope of the blockchain and of digital assets, and we talked about tokenizing the future, whether it's tokenizing real world assets and, you know, talking about NFTs, NFTs could also be, uh, you know, a, a, a non-fungible token of something that's that's real and tangible in life and not just a digital painting. So like any technology, it starts off on the digital format, then we find ways to bring into the real world. So there will come a day, and we're always starting to see that, um, where we're going to tokenize real estate, tokenize other types of assets to give people fractional ownership. And that's really what we were talking about in wartime finance and the presentation yeah, okay. that you heard is the challenges with the economy as inflation kicks in, as you know, you know, the central banks continue to to inflate currency. Real world assets, right, are are getting more and more expensive. And we could we could debate now that we're in a in a uh, a small a blimp of of higher interest rates. And what does that mean? That some assets have dropped. But the reality, they haven't dropped to a level where they've made anything maybe more affordable. Buying a business or a house <laughs> is still as expensive, particularly if you include the current the current interest rates for you know the younger generation, right? So going back to that statement of you know what myself and Mark, our head of research, were trying to drive in that presentation was that wages are not keeping up to yeah. the cost of real world assets, and we all know to move up in life, to build generational wealth, to transfer assets to your children, to your family, to transform your family history, you need to invest in assets, right? So how do you invest in assets if a house costs a million instead of 300,000? How do you invest and buy a business if that business is costing 10 million instead of 2 million? How do you do that if you're if you cannot save, 
if your wages aren't keeping up and you can't save enough to keep up with the cost of assets. So the beauty of digital assets and fractional ownership is it allows anyone, whether it's a single mom, right, trying to struggle to get through or a young family coming together, getting married for the first time, wherever you are in your life and in your in your life's journey or in your savings journey. Mm-hmm. Fractional ownership allows you to take $1, $5, $500, $5,000 and apply it towards something that allows you to then participate in asset growth and therefore wealth creation. And what you've done from a regulatory and thinking about it outside of the the Wild West, which is the world of crypto, and certainly we can talk about FTX and some of the things that yeah. the, the media loves to point their finger at their train wreck or the car crash (laughs) but being able to standardize it in a way that the average person who maybe feels that they're not technology savvy or they're not like oh i'm just not comfortable which i know a lot of people that have stayed quote unquote out was that fear and maybe lack of understanding that this was this high risk volatile but more importantly you just didn't understand or felt that you had a safe way to navigate it yeah yeah so that's really what we do fundamentally our, our value proposition is to do the heavy lifting right so I know I know that there's a saying, you know, not your keys, not your crypto. And 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 you know, there's 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 merit to that, there's debate to that. But at the same time, we want to and we're always gonna evolve as a firm, right? So the things, you know, are who we are today, we'll talk about where we're going, is not the same as who we are last year, and we're not gonna be the same in ten years of who we are today, because we're gonna evolve with the time to continue fulfilling that mission of making it safe, secure, and easy. Whatever that means at that moment in time. So in today's world, right, how do we get, you know, you know, anyone who's not familiar with getting an exchange, getting a hardware wallet, and, you know, they, they can learn all that, but there comes responsibility with owning that asset, right? And which is scary people, for a lot of people. Let's call a spade a spade. And for some are like, look, I work three jobs. Um, I'm tired at night. <laughs> uh, I just want to buy some Bitcoin or Ethereum in a safe, secure, easy way. And I have a brokerage account or I have an advisor and I just want to make it easy, right? That's what we started. That's how the okay. firm got created by creating that innovation in the form of an ETF, right? So you could now store it in the tax-free savings account, our RSP, and get tax benefits from that as well. So that's that's simple step one hundred and one. Uh, so again, we do the custody. We do we we do all the heavy lifting to make sure that the counterparties are safe. It's easy, and and then you could buy it just like if you bought a stock on on the market, right? So that's getting you into the participation. After that. You know, we, we provide education and research and other things, and we promote that, like, get to better understand, you know, the, the different variables, right, the different assets. And we also don't launch our token, right? We could talk about economics between what we do as an asset manager versus an exchange where they make money on you trading. That's how they make their money. So yeah, if they're incentivized for you to trade, we're incentivized to provide something that you believe in. That you want to, you know, that you want us to manage for you for as, as long as possibly can. So our our incentives are more aligned from that perspective. We could talk about that. One years we, from three IQ is a very traditional model in the sense of I call my broker mm-hmm. and I'm buying this mutual fund or I'm buying that ETF. You're just doing it with what is a relatively new asset class. Is that a, is that's that a correct. safe way to say it? That, that's exactly correct. But we do the research on the asset classes. We're not bringing to market. You know, because again, this is this is a bit of the wild west. There are thousands of different digital assets. And you guys and so aren't someone, going out just grabbing your top five micro cap coins and throwing them into a fund and then correct. charging people money. Someone for has them. to do the work. Someone, yeah, is okay. there value here? What are they doing? Who's the team behind it? So we 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 do that work in everything we do. And I'll give you an example on the institutional front of our new product that we're we, we have a a QMAP product, which is our our separately managed account for for. Uh, for institutions that we launched last year, but now we're coming out with version 2.0, which is a game changer. Uh, it's going to be a, a multi, a multi manager, multi strategy platform 
which is really uh, appealing to a lot of to a lot of uh, different institutional clients. I give you an example, tangible yeah. example of a family office I, t- I spoke to just yesterday, uh, large European family office managing a couple billion dollars in 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 crypto. They believe in the space. They believe in digital assets. They talked to me about their experience last year. Their team, they're not that large, trying to find different managers, right? So different ways of managing of managing digital assets for them based on what they're trying to achieve. They they interviewed 40 different managers, right? 20 of those 40 didn't even want to give them their legal entity. You're trying to do due diligence. Who are you? <laughs> what are you doing? They're like, we're not going to share that with no you. No need to be suspicious, but we don't so, want to give you any of this information. <laughs> yeah. So step one, that doesn't pass the first step of diligence, the right? smell test. Then, yeah. yeah. Then, then they continue with diligence. Those 20, they land with three that they really liked. And those three were high caliber and they did exactly what they were doing and the trades were working and they're, they're doing what they said they were going to do. Unfortunately, two of those three, you know, had counterparty risks in FTX mm. and two of those three lost all their, all, 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 all of their money. So they were doing the right trades. They didn't lose on the trade. They lost on the counterparty. So all of a sudden this family office did all the work of diligencing, allocated capital, the 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 managers managing that money were doing the right things still lost because of counterparty risk so there's a lot of moving parts so this new product that we're launching this platform we're taking our stringent due diligence process and and diligencing the you know managers all right so yeah you have to go through a very deep checklist to even be a part of this for us and then we also have insurance included Right. And then we also count, you know, diligence the counterparties. And so we bring together a platform where you have multi-managers, multi-strategies that have been diligenced, that have you I layer on insurance, you layer on all the things that put an institution at risk, we solve for in a transparent way where the, the assets are still managed in a separate account where you own the keys. So there's no custody risk, no counterparty risk. The diligence has been done by an institutional-grade asset manager. And now, all of a sudden, you're creating transparency and security for institutions. The same of what we do for retail, but mm-hmm. it's a totally different product. But again, our mission and our core values lead us to do the heavy lifting for people. I've, okay. And thinking, just pulling back to the beginning of your story, <clears throat> I'm managing billions uh, and under, under management. I'm a family office. You know, when you, when you're an average individual and you hear a story like that, you're like, what chance do I have? Holy shit. Like, this yeah. is a group that's highly educated, has access to the right resources. Like you said, all, did all the right things. Did all the right things. All the right things. Like, they can't look back and go, oh, wow, we had a blind spot there or we really didn't do our diligence or we missed something. So you can really <clears> see <throat> how that translates to the average retail investor. It gets really scary really quick if you take that at, at what it sounds like. Versus what you're talking about. And just to be clear, you guys then charge a, f- uh, a percentage, like no different than when I work with all my other fund managers in yeah, more of a yeah, traditional, just to call it yeah. more traditional versus digital setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. We show you know, a very reasonable percentage that depending on what we do for the uh, the work we do and, and the continued support the handholding, the research, the, the whatever. But you know, that's the, all very clear and transparent. Call, like, that's all very clear yeah, and transparent. Which, which There's no, that. correct, no hidden fees there. Yeah. Um, so just, we've, we've, we've skimmed by FTX a couple times. What, you know, obviously sounds to, to me like that's been a positive impact on you. And I say that very respectfully because a lot of people yeah, have lost a lot correct. of funds and I think that's still unfolding. Uh, kind of what's your commentary on, on that just from the perspective of this was bound to happen sooner or later and I'm not trying to minimize it again. Just the reality of people like, because there's all my friends that were in it going, oh, just that's terrible. And then there's other people like, oh, I told you so. I told you this was risky. So there's a weird kind of psychology that's happening kind of in pop culture around when something like that fails. There's the I told you so crowd. And then there's the, oh, shit, I got caught in that crowd. <laughs> it feels like. Yeah. So so look, so, so look, FTX, I think, took a lot of people by surprise because um, there, there's the there's the there's the. So this is this is the problem. So 
let's take a step back, right? Okay. Um, about eight months ago, I was actually I was speaking at a event in Calgary uh, on a panel, and the question was asked, "Where do you see the industry in the next five years, in general?" Right, and this was at the peak of 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 the bull market where you know the VCs had just raised sixty billion dollars. I said, "Look, I, I can't I I can't predict for sure when or how, but I've seen this playbook play out three times in my career already, hmm. where." You have you know massive you know VC VC funds throwing money right at not enough deals, so yeah. valuations are going to go through the roof. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, and at some point something's going to pop that balloon, and whatever's left is going to be the players that are the core foundations of the future. So in other words, we believe in the space. There are some great technology and some great companies being built as we speak, right? There are others that are overhyped, others that are not discovered yet. And so the VC play of throwing $60 billion to a market that can't absorb that is going to create chaos. And that's what happens, right? So, <laughs> what so what, happens, what right? could go wrong? <laughs> so what, what happens when you have not enough, not enough deals, too much money, is you start skipping some of the steps, yeah. right? And you start following the hype. And I'm not going to name names here. Uh, we could all dictate ourselves. But when, what happens is when you have one very well-known, you know, VC institutions that invest in FTX that has usually been known to do their diligence and, and to be a high performer. Yeah. You're like, wow, they entered. So we're going to enter because they entered and then you don't do the work. So if the first person who's trusted doesn't do the work <laughs> and you have a cascade of people following saying, well, I'm following because of them. And then, oh, I'm following because of them. You have this chain link of, of massive amounts of money entering a space with no due diligence. And then on the flip side, I could tell you stories where you know, we are expanding in the UAE, we're expanding in Australia, we're expanding in Singapore and other, in other areas where mm -hmm. the regulators are want to do the right thing, right? They're seeing Canada as a, a blueprint for how they want to regulate the digital space and they believe in it. So we are out there helping regulators. We're out there expanding our business lines in those regions to help in investors, both on the retail and institutional front. I could tell you, I have, we have advisors on our team telling us that they were there in the room when FTX was raising at a $22 billion valuation. And when people were asking for a data room, which is a basic step yeah. of like, hey, show me your, you know, your incorporations, show me your book, show me this. They're like, we don't have one. And uh, if you don't want in, then that's fine. We all, someone else will come in. So you end up with this hubris of cockiness that you're like, we are FTX. So if you want in, here's the price. We're not sharing anything. Take it or leave it. I can tell you, when we work with any counterparty, whether we become a, a partner of someone or they become our partner, or if we raise capital or work with any financial institution, the level of diligence that we get asked, which is fine because we ask the same, our data room is always ready and we're never afraid to share it. And that should just be standard in the space. Fear of missing out is a real thing at every single yeah. level, even at what you would think would be the highest echelon of due so, diligence and the so, psychology so, around crowd think and how we move as a as a pack. It's it, like it's like psychology one on one, but it's real and, and it can cause. And these it was already huge happening. Yeah. Like, look, I, I yeah, can yeah. tell you, the day FTX blew up, I, I was literally in Dubai speaking with a large global institution who's looking to get into digital assets. So they have distributions uh, in in Asia and the US and others, and they're saying we want to. A digital asset partner so we're talking with them right now about 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 that partnership but we i was talking the pitch of saying you know why three iq why us right where i said we're the adults in the room uh we're the regulator we're, we're the we're the where we sought to be regulated right we're not waiting to be regulated and my phone was literally you know buzzing like a piece of bacon cooking in a frying pan i'm like okay can i i usually never do this in the meeting but something's but up like, <laughs> something's up and um and the day before there was the cz 
you know, SBF sort of Twitter battle. Yep. And uh, 24 hours later, in, in that meeting with, you know, this large global institution, us talking about why regulation matters, um, FTX blew up, right? Um, you know, FTX blew up. And, and so you know, I, I hate I hate to say it, I hate to say it, but um, I'm kind of two for two speaking with institutional investors who invested in Celsius, who invested in FTX, and we had done our... our our due diligence on them, and we we have a we had a, a yield fund um, that uh, allowed investors to to invest in in uh, digital yield products, and we we had, we had you know diligence Celsius and and said no to them uh, as as a counterparty. But long story short, um, you know I've had two dinners where talking about why regulation matters with these you know investors who invested in both Celsius and FTX. Unfortunately, Canadian institutions again won't name names, but you know telling them why it matters and thirty days. After each of those dinners, those companies blew up. It's it's it sucks because it's yeah. it's Canadian pensioners' money. It's it's things of that nature. But the good news, what I'm seeing here out of all of this, is um, in, institutional investors uh, are not giving up on the space. Right? Okay, you beat me to my next question of like, has this been an exodus out, or has it been like, okay, let's slow and let's go back to the basics and let's like let's let's push the hype. Push push the hype cycle a little bit to the side of the desk. So the same thing, like anything, there's okay. the there's the fear cycle, you know, loops on in the news, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and there's what you know what people read, and then there's I always say, look at what's happening in the background, right? Okay. And what I could say is, what's happening in the background is we're getting, we're getting more calls than ever, right? So people understand what does it mean to be regulated? How do we regulate in, in in our country? How do we play with a regulated entity? And a lot of institutions are on the sideline waiting for this. They've seen this before in other industries. They all know. Right, so let's wait for this to happen, and they already knew what this was, right? Yeah. yeah. So, the, so, so now they're coming in uh, when these prices are depressed, when the industry is at a moment where there could be consolidation and the maturity process. So, we are seeing big players make big moves. We are part of that. Um, and what I can say is, once the dust settles and and things recover, that it will be a much better space for it. Which is part of the cycle of maturity of the whole of the whole industry. I really that's correct. I appreciate your perspective. And now a message from one of our valued partners. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with International Justice Mission. I'm proud to share with my audience that I have formalized my relationship with IGMs for becoming one of their Canadian ambassadors. Why? Because I believe we can end slavery in our lifetime, and I want to use my platform to be part of that mission. For many of you, hearing that statement may be a rallying cry. For the rest, it may be a moment of wait, what slavery? Is that even a thing? For me, up to 12 to 18 months ago, it was the second. I did not even understand the problem or that it existed at the scale that it does. Currently, there are over 40 million people affected by modern-day slavery. 40 million people. After a chance meeting with Philip Calvert, National Director of Development for IGM Canada, my eyes were opened to the reality that poor people face the world over, a reality of violence that stops them from ever moving forward in their life. At first, this made me uncomfortable. Then it made me downright mad. But then it gave me hope. It is support of groups like IGM that will allow us to reach the goal of any slavery in our lifetime and give hope to people who may have none. I know this can be an uncomfortable conversation, and that is okay. That's why we're going to go on this journey together. Stay tuned as we host guests from IGM who will help educate us, as well as upcoming events that where we can meet the amazing people that make the work they do a reality. Please join me in supporting this incredible organization by visiting and donating to their cause at www.igm.ca. We will only succeed in any slavery in our lifetime if we work together to make a difference. Thank you for listening. And now back to today's good old-fashioned chat. 
Hey, let's geek out a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about your products because I was going down the rabbit hole this morning as I do before these, these calls with, you know, seeing some TFSA and RSP eligible, then some that, you know, accredited investors, just talking about the different tiers. And, you know, I love the mix and you guys have it really clearly laid out on your site. So thank you. For, mm-hmm. thank, thanks for the transparency sure. and the clarity. Of but let's talk a little bit about the funds you've put together and some of the foundational, like, the average investor can it get access versus some of the stuff you've got here, which are at the accredited investor level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so it all depends on on our on on regulators' comfort levels with with with, with certain digital assets. Uh, okay. so fundamentally, yeah, our sense. so our goal, what we do is we try to usually when we launch a new product, we put a, we put a thesis together, right? Mm-hmm. So why this manager or why this digital asset, right? And then we do the research and we do the the heavy lifting and the work to to do that. And then once we have a, a strong thesis of that, there's value here. How do we bring it to market, right? And so there are different stages. Um, if you're if you're an institution, um, you could buy pretty much anything in a separately managed account, and the regulars are like, "Hey, you're you're a family office, you're an institution, you 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 do whatever you want. You're you're taking the risk. You are signing off that you're yep. taking the risk, right?" And so a separately managed account, we could do a lot more innovative things in there, um, but it's for a very specific type of client base, yep, right? Makes sense. But our goal from there is, hey, if it's working well, it's being proven well, and it's generating value, then what we try to do is to try to to work with regulators to bring as much innovation to retail. We want to empower everyone who has $5 or $5 million to invest. Okay. That's our ultimate goal. But there's a there's an innovation pipeline to get there, right? So we start there, we, we, we build a track record, we demonstrate the value. And if there's enough value, then we bring it up the chain. Up the chain is accredited investors. It's not institutions, but individuals with that fit the the criteria of what the Canadian government mm-hmm. qualifies as a as a as a, a credit investor, and, and we're and then from there we we build those products, and again we build a track record and demonstrate the value, the security, the safety, and then we try to bring it into a retail type product, which would be an ETF, and that's always been sort of our of our pipeline life cycle. And during that, we also work with regulars in government. I was sitting on a government panel on digital assets a few months ago and talking about accredited investor law saying I totally understood its value back in the day but you know our, our product yeah. our, our our accredited investor products are more diversified and more you know again what gov- what what, what government's trying to do is to make sure that there's safety and security so diversification creates that for retail so we were trying to work with them saying you know to bring the future of digital assets tokenization diversification protection and all those things at some point, we'll have to work, find a way to either adjust or remove accredited investor laws in this space f- to really bring innovation that actually creates more protection and more benefits to, to the retail market. Because if not, if that if that law pertains, and that this is a, just a debate that we need to have with, with government and regulators to do what's right for the end user, we believe in what the regulators are trying to do to protect retail, which is why we're regulated. But all we're saying is let's adjust and adapt to make sure that that the average, you know, individual can fully benefit of what the space could bring. Do you see an appetite? And again, that's just your own experience. Do you see an appetite for that conversation? Because I've I've had it with different guests on the show, whether they're in the you know the early stage VC, giving people more access and kind of democratization of 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 investing. Which I understand why they're there, but it certainly focuses on one group feels to get more opportunities or advantages, and another group gets sometimes overprotected or maybe the right amount. That <laughs> depends on the situation, right? <laughs> So the appetite for who? For the investors to come in or for the regulators to- For the regulators to, to, to have a conversation about shifting that level around what is an accredited investor and where it applies and where it doesn't. Yeah. It, it, look, they're, they're, they're open to, to, to the space. They're open to any mm. conversations. And so were the politicians. And this was a, a, a bipartisan you know, 
conservatives, yep. liberal, and DP were it all there. It should be bipartisan. Trying, I hope it stays it there as much as possible. I, I agree with that as yeah. well. And that was my plea to them saying, don't, don't make this political. Please don't Canada, throw, turn this into Canada, a political football. <laughs> the regulators got it right, right, in Canada, right? Um, let's continue to evolve, right? In other words, all most Canadian companies are playing in this space right now of because of, again, traditional asset and traditional financial uh, financial laws that we just adapted to crypto or to digital assets. And yep. 3AQ was one of the early, was, was helped build that framework or, or work with the regulators to build that framework that now benefited the custodians, that benefited the exchanges, et cetera. If you look at Canada compared to other countries, our, our, our companies are stable, have been protected because of those of those regulations, because they weren't allowed to commingle on their balance sheet. And we could talk about why FTX and some of these others and how they're built. We could we could go really deep into the the how things are structured rabbit hole. Well, I mean, well, now um, we might get into Joe Rogan territory and be here yeah, for three hours. Yeah. So I don't know. We said we yeah. weren't going to. But, uh, but, but, but well, I will say, as much yeah. as some people complain about, right? We we you know we understand it's a slow and steady process. But you know the, it's the steady that we we, we focus on, right? Like right. It's, we're not going to get massive leaps and bounds of changes. But if we get consistent changes and all of a sudden you get global regulators, like, for example, we are working with regulators in different countries who are also pro-digital assets, who are looking for Canada as a blueprint, who have their own views. All of a sudden you get global collaboration. You get mature you know, players uh, in the financial world playing here as well. Um, things will change at a faster pace for the for, for the better. Again, not about breaking stuff. Yeah, This is not a break stuff and move fast space. This is a let's move. To benefit, uh, you know the uh, you know the end user, and not just you know the the, the billionaires. Because I still we still believe in the value of what digital assets could bring, and, and like we talked about in wartime finance, the ultimate goal is to bring as much flexibility and optionality to investors, regardless of your profile. And that's the only time you're going to get that mass adoption that we talk about for something to really kind of get to the place that it can, correct? Uh, talk to me about a couple questions. Do you see politicians, the politicians versus regulators and kind of the government, and you are you are in the, the, the cradle of power in Canada being in Ottawa. Are you seeing politicians push this forward? Are their constituents, do they see this as, because we all know the challenge, politicians are on short cycles. There's always another election coming up. Are you seeing this starting to get pushed from that side where individual politicians Politicians are like, hey, my constituents, my voters care about this, and I need to kind of fly this flag a little bit. And back to your point about being bipartisan. Yeah. So, so for industries, uh, for some sectors like where uh, there's mining opportunities, where mining has brought a lot of benefits to certain yep. uh, jurisdictions in Alberta and in Quebec. Um, yes. You know, I met some of those politicians, and they are saying, hey, this is, these are creating jobs opportunities. It's it's and then we need to and often rural educate. communities and challenging places. I know I grew up in Quebec, so I know a lot of where a lot uh, a company and the opportunities where a lot of those environments are they're repressed financially. They need new, they need new things going on. They need new things. So it's not yeah. it's also job creation. It's also access to again ways to invest in an easy secure yeah, way. Okay. So I could tell you uh, hmm. there's what we see publicly, and then there's what I'm seeing in the background. It's the same thing, like I say, we, what we see in the news and what I see institutions doing in the background. I always look at what's happening in the background. I can tell <laughs> you that there, you know, we spoke with a bunch of different committees. We spoke with a bunch of different agencies. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to get educated. Okay. Now, now we need to come together and not shove, you know, you know, too much in people's faces at the same time, right? It's like saying, hey, grandma, let me teach you. You've never heard about digital assets. And I have, you know, an hour of your time at Christmas dinner. I, I'm, I can't cover everything, right? So <laughs> yeah. we got to start. And it's the same thing when you're on these panels or these committees, 
you have two hours and some people are asking the, like literally are asking questions like, okay, these are talking points that someone fed them, but they don't, they don't know. So how do we play a gentle role, right? right. In, mo- in moving it forward. So I could tell you they're trying and, and that's all I, as a, as a citizen of Canada and as a business in Canada, that's all I'm asking from our politicians is have an open mind, right? Mm-hmm. Don't come in with a closed narrow mind and saying, this is illegal. This is for criminals. This is money laundering. That is, those are key talking points from 10 years ago. Yeah, that's like, still, come that's, on. Still, that's Silk Road stuff. Like, yeah, that's a long time ago. <laughs> like, come on, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, so let, let, let's move this forward together. Let's get educated. Visit some of these businesses that are creating value. Talk to people mm-hmm. like my parents and others who benefited from the products that 3IQ you know, have created and to help them secure their retirement, to help them gain access to to this space. Talk to those, in, to those individuals and then learn for yourself um, the benefits that it could bring. And then talk to companies like us saying, how can we work with you to create products that you are satisfied with saying there's enough diligence and there's enough research and enough work that you have, that 3AQ has put in that we feel that this is great for Canadian citizens. Well, just a simple collaborative versus adversarial. Exactly. The time will pass, but we'll end up in a very different place with one uh, philosophy versus the and, other. And, and, and maybe it's my open source roots, but that's just <laughs> how you innovate is by collaboration. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. When you talk about global markets and like global standardization around some of the regulatory, and you talked about some of the other markets that you're in, that they look to Canada as like, hey, I, we like what you guys are doing. We like the formula that's going on there. You're kind of getting it right. Where are some of the jurisdictions just around the world that you're seeing that you're excited about or you're seeing really positive momentum? Yeah, so so a lot of the Middle East, a lot of the countries there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Turkey, uh, etc. So they're really they're really pushing uh, for for uh, there's there's a lo- there's a already a high level of digital asset adoption there. Okay, um, and I can tell you that the regulators are very stringent in the sense of like they're pro, but digital assets, but the the frameworks they're building are are really protecting investors mm-hmm. moving forward. But they're still behind on on key decisions, right? So okay, so um, Singapore. Australia, um, we're hearing good news from Japan. Um, so there, there's a lot of those of those areas that are opening up. Um, with and, the, and with, the, re- with the, the retail investor in mind, like all the way down yeah. to okay, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yeah, okay. exchanges uh, all the way down to to ETFs and other types of engines that way. Um, and uh, but ultimately, you know, the we, we we hope that our friends down down south also you know sort of get clarity soon because uh, they <laughs> they are they are a large influencer on a, on the global scale. So. But look, I will say that um, unlike in, unlike the past, where some you know where where the, the world used to wait for the U.S. to make the move, I, I'm, I'm excited to see that these other countries and these other yeah. places, like Canada and others, hmm. are, are are not waiting and are saying, "Let's figure this out." That's interesting. When you look at some of those other markets, you even mentioned you know Singapore. Are you seeing also? Uh, Currency, like digital asset, but then there's some of those environments where, you know, the banking system isn't as trusted, maybe not Singapore as an example, but other parts of South Asia, where it is playing more of a role as a currency inter between, between individuals, uh, you know, just general population. How does that affect? I'm assuming that group is so much more comfortable with these types of vehicles because they've been transacting with this between each other for longer and in a more like daily fashion. 100%, 100%. I mean, in, 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 uh, in Africa and Latin America, I mean, look again. I always said taxation will dictate how these things are treated, right? So, um, <laughs> we're calling it digital assets because taxation is for is 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 not is forcing it as a, it's an inefficient currency, right? Yeah. But a, but a great but a great store of value or or a, an asset that could appreciate, right? So it's a slice of an asset, and of course, when you sell 
you know, and you get a capital gain. It's, that's our taxation. Back to fra- you're, you're, you're fraction, you have fractional ownership of this fractional asset. So it makes it very asset. clear versus that, oh, is it, isn't it, conversation that seems to be going on in the, in so the, in the U.S. The, extensively on the news. Yeah, that's why we're using these words to the government, saying, guys, the policies you have already apply. This is a, an asset. It's just digital. It's, to- it's a tokenized asset. Or, yeah, yeah. Like, so let's, let, let's remove the word currency, whereas Latin America or in Africa, um, they, they are being used as currency right? you know, in, in certain areas because of taxation is allowing it to do so, right? Mm, so now okay. with, this, with the lightning technology and others, um, we're seeing that, that interrupt, the, the interoperability of, uh, of Bitcoin and other, and, and other currencies with their local currency interact and allowing people to, 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 to use digital rails uh, as, as a means to, to accelerate. And even we're seeing it here. We have our sister company, StableCorp, that are you know helping use blockchain to do cross border payments and and, yeah. and foreign exchange. Solving, and those what kind I love about that is you're solving problems that the financial current financial system is yeah. not great at. Cross border payments is such a great example. It's still a yeah even in, even yeah. in the SWIFT system is, is yeah in is, this is modern day of age system. that's still a pain in the ass to do. <laughs> like if, yeah if you 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 do we we all do business in the U S like try to send a payment or receive a payment that's not over credit card is 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 it's tough. But yet, when the world of crypto or digital assets, there's this world without borders philosophy or mindset that exists. That's and yeah. it's on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It doesn't open and close on a Monday with to Friday, instant, right? With instant settlement, yeah, yeah. So it's such an interesting. And I do appreciate. There's very rare cases where technology doesn't overtake the ability of regulators or government just to keep up. One moves so much yeah. faster than the other, which is what makes it exciting, uh, for sure. Uh, you talked about initially about like kind of the tokenization of everything and fractional ownership of you know real estate and doing that digitally. What where are we at? on kind of that timeline or obviously you guys have stayed very clearly in your lane of the products you're developing but when you're looking to the you know back to back to let's pull the crystal ball out of the cabinet here and have a look what do you see in terms of timeline and some of the things that you're excited about maybe just in the space overall so so the the technology is ready so it's not a technology problem okay it's it's a it's a regulatory problem uh or challenge back 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 to that that factor yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so so there are some some uh i could tell you we, we get approached like the the technology is very much accelerating. We get approached uh, weekly by uh, new tokenization platforms, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, some already some exist in Canada. I met a group in Toronto last week, actually earlier this week, actually. Um, super innovative stuff. So the technology is getting ready. The good news when I talk to them is they're saying, you know what, we are talking with regulators and they're warming up to things. So so what what does that mean, right? The biggest fear, the biggest fear of regulators, um, comes back to. Uh, what is being tokenized, right? And is it for credit investors only? We're going back to our credit investors. Just because it's a safe, right? it's so, a safe space to play because we've already made it, we've already put a moat around that, right? Yeah. Because once it's tokenized and you can own five bucks of it and it's distributed on an exchange, um, what is being tokenized? Yeah. So what, what, what I, what I, what I hope, what I hope is if we, if we, if we could look at a, and again, this would add to the, this would add to length and would add cost for people to launch new products. But Someone wants to tokenize a new a new development, yep. right? If the developer says, "You know what? We're going to half of our development is going to be institutional investors, and the other half we want to we want to give access to this, you know, to 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 the average individual to participate in new real estate development." Yep. Right. Um, it would be unheard of. It'd be a huge innovation, right? Because normally it's like if you don't have a quarter million bucks to join the LP structure, forget about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, there's construction and operational risk, and people would need to understand that, right? And and, and that could be shared. But if if the if if the person or the the group or the people trying to do that could show to the government, you all know, here's our risk management systems, and here's you know you know yes, there's always risk in, in developing a building, but we have a track record of 
you know, 30 years of developing successful condos, yeah, yeah. like wh- why would this one fail if we have all our, all our checks and balances, we want to bring this to individual investors and offer it on our platform or, 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 or put the token on an exchange. Now, you know, individuals could invest in that, gain the benefit, gain the dividends, and then also have liquidity to it. Right. So, so it, look, there's, there's a lot of complexities. Um, it's going to come, um, but we have to take it one project at a time. And that's what I'm recommending to people saying, all we need to do is give one case study where we tell the government, like we're working with a large company that's reputable, that has a proven track record. Let's tokenize a use case. Let's work with the regulators. Let's bring it to market. Let's test it. Right. Uh, and learn from that. Hmm. Would you say, is it, is it trickier to do it with something that's so familiar, like a real estate investment, like that, for your point that that would be so unheard of, but the model itself has been repeated over and over and a significant amount of wealth has been built versus all of a sudden we're tokenizing digital assets of my, my most favorite ape. (laughs) Just use that as an example, (laughs) you know, where you'd think real estate, oh, we're so good at that. We know exactly how that works, but the idea of changing it is actually, is that even make it more, is that make it more scary to use it (laughs) to oversimplify to, to the regulators or yeah, to, to the uh, regulars? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I think the public would be all over that. I think people would yeah. line up to get on board with that an opportunity like that. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question because then all of a sudden it's uh, it's it's two it's it's two paradigm shifts in one, right? So it's like mm. okay, we're just getting used to what what Bitcoin is a digital a, yeah. a digital store of value. <laughs> totally, okay, yeah. we're just getting used to that. Um, and and, uh, and and now you were saying we're going to tokenize something that we're familiar with. So that you know, so that it's 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 more easily accessible. I don't I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, just um, but again, it comes with education and, and having conversation. And again, case studies. But I could tell you, we were just you know having breakfast one day with one of the large developers in Dubai, um, who's who they're exploring. You know, didn't fully said. Well, he's like, I could raise money like that in, in in locally, right? So why why would I care about this? Well, we're saying, look, you could tap into the global markets at this point if it's tokenized. You can now have you know have have flow from across across the world, which would boost the value and appreciation of your underlying asset. All of a sudden, that got things interesting, right? So, okay, so global investors. Well, because it's about what um, problem are you solving for them? Well, I already can get capital, but oh, can you get it yeah. this way from this expanded audience and think about where that could go? It's it's yeah. about so refra- it's, reframing it, the problem being it's two solved. Ways. It's two ways, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, so, you know, the most developers, um, you know, don't have a problem getting access to capital or getting loans. So. The innovation really there was with the, it needs to be someone that's brave enough to say, uh, you know, I'm in this, I made a lot of money in this, I've made my investors a lot of money. I want, I want to do the right thing of trying to bring inclusivity into this. Yeah, right? and also there's some people have a drive to innovate and some don't, and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, exactly right. right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and but there should be value created for the person who takes the risk of innovating. So there is value <laughs> yeah. in, in multiple different ways, but it's going to take someone who sees to say, you know what. I can continue the same old, same old and keep printing money for me and my investors, or I can innovate, which will still drive more value to my investors, but also create a more inclusive system. It's going to take someone to, to, to yep. step up to the plate and want to do that. And who's willing to maybe go down a bit of a longer road and more engagement with regulators and do some of yeah, the things. And we're that, just talking yeah. about real estate. here. Yeah, 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 we're just picking any, one thing. Right? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could, it could be, it could be anything. It could be, a, a, a you know, a boat rental business, right? It's like I want to fractionalize. Well, the, you know, fractional ownership is is, been, fractional is not a new concept. We're just now using so, it with a digital means, right? <laughs> yeah. So now all of a sudden, instead of like saying you know you know share contracts and like legal contracts, like 
you would never sell me 1% of your business. You would never sell me five bucks of your business. You'd be like, the legal, it's going to cost me you know, 10 grand in <laughs> the legal The barrier work. to doing that is already right? built in. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're like, hey, we, we, we have this business. We're, we're, we're renting boats and we're very successful. And we, uh, we have a lot of free cash flow, which we pump out in dividends. And we want to we wanna sell you know, 15% of it without going public. Yes. Right? I was going to say that's a great enough. alternative to an I to a going public, right? Mm-hmm. We're not big enough to go public. We're a small, you know, Ottawa based business. We make $5 million a year. We want capital to grow, but we, but, but we, but we want to give, so yeah, this yeah. is where that's interesting. Again, the regulators are going to say, well, where's the transparency in the numbers? How do we audit? It's again, it, yeah. it, I understand that our rationale, right? That's going to be complicated, but there will come a time where, you know, where, Again, we, we're going back to the single parent who has $5 a paycheck to invest and investing, going back to our wartime finance, investing in, in digital assets, not just Bitcoin, but literally fractional ownership of assets. That's the, the ultimate pipe dream yeah, of, of, what, of what this could bring here. Just you still you 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 lost me on the boat, and I'm thinking about that company now using digital contracts and doing ways to validate what it's doing without having to have the transparency and being a publicly traded company to then yeah. de-risk. Well, so my if, brain is still yeah. now. I'm like I'm unpacking well, that yeah, use case all, that you just put forward. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. If all your transactions is on the dig- on a blockchain ledger, then transparency and auditability totally. and AI, all of that will be able to to audit. It's coming. The technology will evolve for to get there. The problem is that sometimes we want it to happen next year and it may take another decade. <laughs> we always want it to happen. How about tomorrow? Right. What do you mean next year? Who's got that kind of patience? But I hear you. These are these are yeah. significant shifts. Uh, you may, you just mentioned the word AI. Obviously, you can't go anywhere these days without tripping over chat GPT. And yeah. you know, the 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 the, 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 the November twenty twenty two, the world the day the world went, Oh, AI is a legit thing. This is actually happening. Do you, what role do you see technologies like that playing on top of overlaying or intermingling with all of these other technologies? Like it's just it, this technology is swarming us everywhere we turn. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be all it's going to be all interconnected. Like I mean, yeah. like for example, there's uh, there's a great company here in, in in Ottawa that that's using AI to do uh, to do to do uh, auditing and financial crimes investigation. Right. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you're like, okay, we could bring in. Yeah, actually, I don't know if, don't know if people are are. Uh, are uh, watching the Bernie Madoff uh, documentary? I've, on, on I've had three friends tell me I need to watch it. Like in yeah. the last two weeks, yeah. Uh, I always, I always tell people in the in the who don't believe in in digital assets who are in the financial space, saying, "I don't know, I'm, I'm watching this Madoff thing, which I've known the story before, but everything lines up pretty much like an SBF story." So, are <laughs> are stocks also? You know, this is this is the analogy I always use. Like, so developers, when I go when I go into a large, uh, and again, I'm taking a little bit of a tangent, but it's a funny story. Like how I, I, I tell people it's, it's the, it's the, like our head of research says it's the, uh, not the protocols, it's the pipes that are broken. So when I go, for example, Dubai, and I talk to a developer, uh, who's looking to, you know, people are trying to convince them to, to, to diversify their balance sheet into digital assets because they own, you know, they diversify outside of real estate. Um, he's like, well, then he brings up, they bring up FTX and they bring up all that. I'm like, Hey, if you start a project and you don't finish that project and you go bankrupt as a developer, is real estate garbage or you were just a poor developer? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. Okay. You know, so I'm like, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> that's the FTX thing, right? Yeah. Well, so it's the same thing with the Madoff. You watch that documentary, you know, stocks are not, are not evil, right? It's just a money manager, right? So same thing here. So where we're going here um, in terms of technology AI to answer your original question is it's uh, I think they're all they're all intermingled. So we like the more data we have, you add blockchain, which is immutable, you know, open data. 
we have you know AI, we have cloud computing, we have IoT collecting different sensors. All of yeah. that data will continue to get smarter and better and faster. And become more interconnected, to your point. Mm-hmm. Interconnected, yeah, and it yeah. will solve some of these challenges that we're seeing of transparency where the regulars are saying we need to get audit. Like, so where I'm going with this is watching the Madoff story, you know, AI and blockchain and 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 and, uh, and transparent information would have solved that in a in a in a second. Yeah. Right. Because now you had people manipulation. If you watch a documentary, people like he got approached by the SEC several times. I've heard. Yeah. And all I had to do is walk with confidence, saying, "I'm not running. I'm, I'm not running a hedge fund. I swear." Oh, okay. Let's. <laughs> we're, we're good. I swear. Trust me. Uh, no, the story yeah. about how many times that could have got stopped, but it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Where right? a- a- AI wouldn't get infected by those biases in, in the same way. Just to, yeah, I'm using AI as a blanket statement yeah. there. So course. so AI will 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 uh, will speed up and 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 yeah. and catch trends. Same thing with. Same thing with FTX. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, they, they were putting they were putting stuff on their balance sheet that weren't even real. Um, they had no CFO. Like, you know, AI would have uncovered trends. I would I would raise alarm bells and, and due diligence. So due diligence process, you know, auditing, you know, all these kind of things will 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 get smarter and better, which will make regulars and more comfortable yeah. to allow innovation to happen because now we have technology uh, to be able to speed up the process of of creating the information they need. Uh, to, to get comfortable. Hey, to oversimplify, when my credit card company calls me because someone buys a coffee yeah. at, a, at a coffee shop that I don't typically go to in a part of the city I don't live in, yeah. that's not an individual watching that account. <laughs> Let's yeah. be crystal clear. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Like, someone's <laughs> like, hey, he doesn't normally go to this Starbucks on this street in this part of the city, but uh, the algorithm certainly was able to grab that. So you made yeah. a couple of comments earlier about you know being two for two and you know seeing some of the things coming and kind of, be, I love your phone as a piece of bacon vibrating on the desk. <laughs> and again, this is crystal question any do we have more of that are we working through that are we at a place where okay there's still going to be a few big you know flaming car wrecks or how are we in that cycle from just your perspective yeah that's a, that's a it's a uh we i say can't say we i say i because i i'm going to speak of, of, of my observations not on behalf of 3iq on yeah, this one um, mm. yeah so so what i'm seeing right so uh there are a few bigger, bigger players uh, that are in the news, right? Um, but but they 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 have oversight, um, they have diversity, they have revenue. Um, mm-hmm. They just you know have done maybe some things that I, you know that they will have to pay for because some investors got stuck. But there's a difference between saying, "Oh man, we got stuck in this bad lending," right? But we have you know again eighty percent of our the rest of our business, which is solid. To to Primer. to pay that to pay that that mistake off right so there's difference between making a an oopsies right and then <laughs> you know actual FTX you know commingling assets and 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 using investor investor assets so all of this started with over leveraging the same thing yeah. with 2008 right over leveraging like you know I you know I I love the big short that that scene <laughs> it's a great where yeah uh, yeah, yeah where uh, yeah he's he's in the club and and he's like oh so you're talking about one condo she's like no, no i have a house and six condos and that's where he's like oh my it, it, the numbers are adding up it's like one leverages the other the other the other right and so that's how this all started is the over leveraging in the system right started collapsing so you get cascading liquidations and we saw that in real time happen right mm-hmm. and at that point it, it we you didn't know who was going to get you know get uh you know it'd be in the, in the blast zone and just yeah, like yeah. in 2008 and just like in 2003 a lot of great businesses, right? I could tell you the 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 in two thousand three, right? I had a high tech business. I saw a lot of great companies die because they were 
playing the next round of VC, right? Saying, yeah, get yeah, around, yeah. get around, get around. Um, and and so they were burning cash because that was just what it was supposed to be, right? You yeah. burn heavily cash. Whereas I was being a macro thinker and saying, oh, we got to start slowing the burn, right? Back in 2003, because we may not get another round, right? So you end up with, now this is drying up. So what we're going to see is is that less of these massive blowups. So mm-hmm. I think the big players I had to blow up, like FTX and Three Arrows and Celsius, that was over leverage and some were illegal and those are gone. What we're seeing now is some of the larger players that had, you know, a significant oopsies, right? They're going to have to pay for that through either regulatory fines or paying for it because, you know, we got to pay back investors. Not illegal, just yeah. a big oopsies. Which are, so that's, that's putting, a difference, and I'm glad you're clarifying that's the a difference, difference between right? just the word fraud and then yeah, like, oh, fraud, okay, right? we made so, an error. So okay. We made an error. We got to pay for it. Well, and we'll do right by investors, and that's what's happening. And and then there's And then there's the smaller players that won't impact the market. It won't impact, you know, the price of Bitcoin or things yeah, of yeah. that nature. But what it will do is it will kill some companies that could have been great. And that because they were playing the, hey, we're in our B round, let's go and and, and scale and get our C round. And they're not going to get the C round. And then you're, as they like to say in Alberta, you're way out over your skis at that point and it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so again, just going through history, so we're going to see a lot of these mid-sized, smaller-sized businesses, and I don't even know who they are, and I don't yep. know where in the world they're going to be, but the the money has dried up from a VC perspective as they wait to see things. They're not going to deploy. They may double down on a few of their key winners, but that's going to be one out of 10. And I'm saying this not because it's in the digital asset space or crypto space. I'm saying this because I've seen it three times before in my 22-year career, as I've always played in industries that are at this level of cutting edge, where they, where they rely on VCs to bring innovation. It's the same cycle over and over again. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's why we study. That's why we should study history. <laughs> Agreed, Pascal. Awesome conversation. I could we could open up a whole other line yeah. of unpacking here, but I do appreciate that uh, uh, we, we we went deep and down a few different rabbit holes. Oversimple. I've had question in the world we live in. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you, or what's your preferred way for people to get a hold of you if anybody wants to reach out? Yeah, LinkedIn's the easiest. It's where nice. I, it's where I spend most of my time. Yeah, uh, I, I am on Twitter, but I'm not very active on there as much. But LinkedIn is is the easiest. I, I respond to many messages. Always happy to grow my network. Always happy to have a call with anyone who just wants to learn more about the space, or you know, fellow entrepreneurs who want to talk business or whatever it may be. I'm always an open book to be able to to meet new people. I really appreciate that, and yeah, I think that's you and I met at a conference, and I reached out to you on LinkedIn. You got back to me right away, so yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's I'll validate you on that one that you do get back to your LinkedIn <laughs> messages. This day, these days, we're drowning under how many ways to communicate, but yeah, LinkedIn is becoming more. It's the one social media me, platform that still got some credibility to it. I think. <laughs> yeah, just don't just don't pitch me uh, your business ten seconds after I accept with a bot. <laughs> That's all I'm asking. <laughs> I, just, I just met, but you, I just met, but you want to get married? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Exactly. It doesn't work yeah. there either. And uh, 3iq.ca, check out the website. You guys got some good information. It's really clear and really well laid out in terms of this is what we do and here's what it okay. is. And I, that sounds oversimplified, soon. but thank you for making it that way. Oh, you guys got yeah. a new one and on, the, on the go? We got, we got a new one coming out soon, which will showcase our, our upcoming uh, institutional products as well. And and we're going to have a whole new research and education center. Right now, you can sign up to our research, uh, weekly research oh, nice. on our website, but we're going to have a whole new area with all our past stuff. And we really, again, our, our, our marketing is education. I appreciate that's how, that. That's how we we'll focus. Yeah. Well, and it's such a great strategy just to, to, it creates expert positioning just because you're the one out there educating and you trust the person who educates you. Um, hey, if I wanted to get involved, if I wanted to purchase one of your products, do I call my investment advisor? Do I call you guys directly? What just to over, just to make that obvious for somebody listening? Mm. 
Yeah. So, so our, our, our institutional products or our credit investor products, you could call us directly. Okay. Or you can work with, you know, our, our retail products or ETFs, you buy it through your self-directed account or your financial advisor. Okay. That's what I assumed. Pascal, good chatting with you. Really good to connect. And I really appreciate your perspective. Thanks for jumping on today, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. 